just a quick warning that we're going to be talking about life and death and existentialism and the multiverse and birds and some of the birds might die. We don't know. But if you're not in the right headspace for that, then maybe skip these next few episodes. Welcome to part three, four. <laughs> huh. One. Oh, wait, one, two, three. I yeah, think four. it is four. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Welcome to part four of anecdotes. We know it's up. Um, yeah, welcome. We're so glad you guys are back. Sam and I are back the very next day. We have like... I don't think we've ever had such a quick turnaround time for recording sessions, but I we mean, are quick turnaround in that we're on. <laughs> we've done four verses. Oh no, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we've done four verses <laughs> <laughs> across so... two different recording sessions already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, quick turnaround was not the right <laughs> turn of phrase. Uh... Uh... <laughs> Back to back. We I don't back think we back, do back yeah. to back very often. There you go. That's a better way of putting it. But uh, we have more shit to say about anecdotes. So we hope that you guys enjoy our, our conversation. And uh, let's dive right in, I guess. Yeah. Do you have things to say that aren't about the lyrics? Uh, like that uh, are overview stuff? N- nope. I feel like I talked a lot last episode yeah. about random shit, especially Humpty Dumpty. So <laughs> nope. That's how I feel too. I only have lyrical shit today. And we ended off last time on While the Dew. Uh, Lay down and dried. Yeah. I really love Joanna Newsome. No emails. Okay. In which case, uh, would you like to do the honors of reading us? The verse? The first verse. Were you going to say something? You were about to say, I really love Joanna Newsome. No, yeah, that was the whole that was the whole thought. <laughs> I'm glad we're still there. I'm glad that we're not losing losing love slowly as we work through this. That would be awful. Yeah, that would be awful. I am gaining love. She's a fucking master of her craft. She's the master of all crafts, probably. Did I'm you just very impressed. See on the shit posting group that someone posted so meta a screenshot of Robin Pecknold of Fleet Foxes calling yeah. her the goat. Yeah. I uh, saw that on his Instagram before I saw it on I the shit posting group. Yeah. He was like, it was like a screenshot of Joanna on her most recent tour playing something. Uh, yeah. And he said something like, I hope the goat one day comes back or something. May or the goat something. one day return and slay pretenders to the throne (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i would love if that was like the teaser for a new album oh my god yeah maybe robin pecknell knows knows something that we don't um (laughs) i just got tickets to see fleet foxes because they're in vancouver sometime this summer 
Um, oh my god and in the back of my mind i'm like please bring joanna please please (laughs) (laughs) oh fleet foxes would be such a fun show i have never seen them i haven't either and they a bunch of my friends were going from to the toronto show um i was like that's too long of a road trip i'm not doing that like that's that's really far from the entire country (laughs) yeah (laughs) no not not for me but then they added more dates so i was like okay yay okay sure we signal private poor will when morning starts to loom colon pull up from your dive till we hear the telltale boom too soon hot dogging loon caught there like a shard of mirror in the moon wow <laughs> well, what a verse yeah it's um, kinda, and then it's weird it's super weird. I spent so fucking long today trying to decipher this verse, and I don't know how far I got. But um, in case anybody uh, is like me and cares about the punctuation, there's um, so as you said, there's a colon after loom when morning starts to loom colon, and then in quotation marks it says pull up from your dive, and the quotation marks end after dive. And then the next sentence is not in quotations till we hear the tell, tell, tell boom. And boom is italicized or no? Boom is italicized. And then there's a dash after too soon. Right. Um, and I guess we're to assume that we say no private four will when morning starts to loom. All of that, those next four or five sentences are part of whatever we're signaling. So this is part of what I spent so long trying to figure out today. Mm-hmm. I I think that my most recent theory, although I'm not at all confident about this, is that the signal that they're talking about is just what's in quotation marks. Mm. Pull up from your dive. Um, and so my interpretation of the sentence was that we signal private pull, poor will to pull up from his dive and we signal him to do that until until we hear the telltale boom too soon but i'm not sure what do you make of this verse what does it mean no boy asking the big questions right i mean yeah yeah okay um we signal private program when morning starts to loom so as of yet we've been in this like nightscape, um, there's a conversation happening. We talked a lot last episode about like who is maybe having this conversation um, and why. Um, and so I guess this verse to me is like the coming of morning or like that time before morning. Um, what is happening? Great question. Um <laughs> So who was it that was diving? Fumbled around the bare ground. So there were flyers. We sighted out their flyers in the gray scale of the night and fumbled on the bare ground to my limits while the dew lay down and dried. So I take the we here to be Rufus Nightjar and whoever our narrator has been up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, I looked up private as, like, a military rank, Mm -hmm. and it's apparently the lowest possible rank you can have in the military to be a private. And so I was thinking, like, maybe this, because we touched on last time, 
the idea that like maybe the narrator and Rufus Nightjar are in command of like like quote unquote our men in the camp and so I take it to be that those two are giving like an order to a lower ranking officer (laughs) private poor will um to pull up from the dive yeah that makes sense to me um and then because when morning starts to loom that means we're not quite at morning yet so we're like at the still at the place before morning yeah and i looked up loom just so i could define it here um so loom uh is like an inherently threatening word i guess so it says appear as a shadowy form especially one that is large or threatening so the idea that morning is like a threat i think is really interesting here yeah i think i always assumed that morning is a threat because the darkness kind of seemed like a safe space for this conversation or at least like a sheltery space Mm. um and like i like that action of pull up from your dive because as we made last time we have a list um (laughs) yes and so we are paying attention to (laughs) falls and diving and divers um so the implication here is that um private poor will is diving has been diving and is pulling up yes so i my new theory about this song that i don't think i had yesterday but i can't remember because i spent so long today researching it that i don't remember what was yesterday and what's today but (laughs) my new theory about this song is that um these birds in question or birds or souls or like personifications of birds like whatever we're talking about whatever the characters are in the song my new theory is that they are souls that are like in between death and rebirth and I think that part of like the violent imagery that we're getting in this song is the idea that these birds have to like dive down and like go (laughs) inhabit mortal bodies like they have to go get like incarnated I guess and I think that I, I'm not totally sure about that, but that's like sort of where I'm at with this song right now. And so I was thinking that like morning with that interpretation is like when it comes time to have to like go be a person with a body again, rather than like this transcendent sort of bird like being that's able to vacillate between dimensions in a way that humans can't. Um, and so I think there's something about the dive from the sky to the earth that is like, um, like maybe being analogous to like from being like floaty souls into like slamming down, (laughs) I just hit the table, but like slamming down into these bodies that they have to then like go live lives that are tethered to time in a way that the birds, bird souls aren't. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just, like, briefly looking up reincarnation, because it's something I know about loosely, but not at all. I haven't spent much time reading about closely. Um, The word reincarnation derives from a Latin term that literally means entering the flesh again, Um, which sounds like something that's violent. Um, So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a really beautiful theory. Um, Especially yesterday, we were talking about like that space where there is no time, and it seems like this would be a space where there is no time. 
Totally. Um, I think there's like stuff coming up that makes me think that, but I forget how it is that I landed there. Maybe reading other people's theories too. Um, one thing I think is cool that I, we might've talked about last time, um, is that the name for private poor will comes from, I mean, presumably comes from the fact that the whipper will whip poor will is a kind of night jar same as Rufus and uh, star spotted and sickle winged. These are all types of night jars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, poor will is too. Whipper will. One thing that <laughs> I really liked in reading about um, the poor will bird uh, two things, two facts that I came away with that I was like, ooh, that's cool. Um, common poor wills chant their name into the darkness for hours on end. Um, Here, I'll play what that sounds like for yeah. us real quick. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. And? <laughs> and... Um, a Hopi name for Porwell is Holchoko. Uh, I probably pronounced that awfully, sorry. And it means um, the sleeping one. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, which means that the the species, and I think we talked about this last time, uses torpor, which is when they like lower their body temperature and their heart rate and reduce their oxygen consumption. Did we talk about this last time? No, it's coming up, though, the word torpor. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's why I have my notes further down. Um, but it made me think about, uh, we talked about that in Colleen as well, um, when she is diving, diving. So mm. that's just a really nice connection too. That's right. I didn't think of that. And her heart's beating so slow mm-hmm. when she gets, oh, interesting. Really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> um, then what else do I have here? Oh, yeah. Okay. So did you have stuff on the telltale boom in question? It's my oven timer. Um, did I have stuff on the telltale boom? No, other than like the war imagery that we have going on. Um, and now hearing your newest theory that I really like. Um, maybe assuming that the boom is like when the soul moves from one body to another. Um, yeah. But it is italicized as is the last verse of the song, um, which maybe doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And is boom capitalized in the, in the, it is. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Um, one of the things I was reading, so I got this lead from genius, but um, there's like this very distinctive thing about night jars where when they're diving at dusk or dawn, uh, members of the male, sorry, the wings of male common night jars produce a distinctive boom noise as the air rushes through them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to also pull up another um, little YouTube video um, so you can hear what it sounds like. Here, hang on one second. The sun hadn't been up very long, maybe half an hour. And there were nighthawks up in the air, several males displaying. The 
calling and booming are typically heard at dawn and early evening. The nasal paint is a call that is given in flight, and then you hear what sounds like a truck roaring by that suddenly just disappears. And that's a mechanical sound produced as the bird goes into a dive, air rushes through the primary feathers. And as it comes out of the dive, the rushing of air ceases and the boom suddenly stops. The common nighthawk is a, a really graceful, aerodynamic bird. It has a fairly slender, tapered body, a very small bill, almost inconspicuous, long tapered wings with white blazes right in the, the bend of the wing or the wrist of the wing. So as they fly in, in good light conditions, you see these blazes of white flash as the wings are raised and lowered. The light streams by. What I hadn't experienced up to that point was the males coming down, diving within a meter of, of the ground, within three feet of the surface. What had been a, a distant experience, spectacular experience, hearing them call and watching them chasing one another, actually becoming a very intimate experience within meters of where I was standing. It's, it's a really fascinating Okay, sorry. I just wanted to play a little bit of that because the guy said some cool stuff that reminded me of Joanna stuff. He did, especially like the, I mean, the sound itself made me think of, um, and the engine brakes when he described it as a mechanical sound. Um, but that they're diving within a meter of the ground is also quite a violent thing and makes me think of your theory again, just in that people are grounded and you're getting... You know, that dive is so steep and so intense that you're like, you know, really smacking into something. Yeah. Um, when that soul is connecting. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was super cool too. And yeah, I think you're right that it like does sound violent. Like when you realize it's not a sound the bird is making, it's like the wind hitting them in mm -hmm. a certain way. It sounds crazy. Um from another bird site. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, you can spend I, I, all day. <laughs> um, I read, uh, so Audubon writes, at nightfall in spring and summer, a male common nighthawk puts on fab a fabulous show. He swears and soups and makes a nasal peent call. Then he nosedives and flexes his white striped wings downward. As wind rushes through the largest feathers at the bird's wingtips, it makes a roaring sound. And apparently this can be either for um, territorial reasons um, or the dives can be directed at females, female birds. Okay. And sometimes even people, like if they feel threatened oh by people. God. So yeah, I don't know what to make of all of that other than like vague thoughts that <laughs> we've been gesturing towards. I've literally been thinking of always carrying bird seed with me this spring because I cannot with the crows who dive at me. Oh I feel God. like I need to make peace with them immediately <laughs> and like yeah. always have an offering. Dude, I'm so afraid of birds. If <laughs> birds started diving at me, like I would cry. Ugh, I run. And... I run so fast. Yeah. 
One time that happened to me when I was kayaking. I like accidentally kayaked through. I was by myself on the lake oh and I kayaked God. through this like bunch of reeds, but I didn't realize that's where birds had nested. And so like this huge swoop of them like flew up into the sky because I disturbed them. And like obviously they're babies. And these birds just started diving at me and I tipped over in my kayak and I had to like figure yeah. out how to get yeah. it back. I would hide under the kayak until they <laughs> left. I could wait you out. No problem. I didn't even mean to tip over. It's because I took my paddle out of the water to like swat at them yeah. to get them away from me. But that doesn't go so well when you're in a kayak. No. Um, okay. So yeah. I'm not exactly sure about the timing here. They're signaling Private Poorwill to pull up from his dive. They keep signaling him to pull up from his dive until they hear the telltale boom. Why is it too soon? Um, maybe just because it's nice to not be like corporal, to not be a bot in a body. Well, and like we're talking about time a lot too, right? So like is too soon referencing like how short life is is it referencing like that transition between bodies is it referencing like the dive right like the speed of the dive or something um because then yeah i have these questions too and like i just feel like i'm missing something because Mm -hmm. all of those things that you just said and then it gets into this description of this like, I think something, it's almost as though something fucked up, but we like that they fucked up somehow because then when uh, she sings hot dog and loon caught there like a shard of mirror in the moon, it sounds like, so look, he's like a, so hot dog and just means like to be like showing off with like stunts. Um, so like they're describing private poor will as being this like showy offy I mean, loon I'm taking here to mean like crazy person, like mm-hmm. what a loon to be hot dog and like that. And so look at this like showy offy crazy person caught there like a shard of mirror in the moon, which is like kind of violent imagery to me. It makes it seem like he died to me, like he's caught there. He's now uh, maybe not dead, maybe alive. Maybe that's the point is that he's now like stuck in this body or something. I don't know. Yeah, I got the stuck in the body vibes too, but also in that bird person um, description <laughs> you just uh, <laughs> played, they described the light, like the reflection of the light on their wings. So to me, that gives very much a shard of mirror in the moon, that like quick flash of light. Um, and hot dogging and lunar is such a funny two words to put together because they kind of mean the same thing too like in this definition for loon there's like obviously like the bird the loon and then there's uh to perform in a conspicuous or often often ostentatious manner especially to perform fancy stunts and maneuvers so it's almost like a like a double double use of the same um feeling there um I don't know. I, I think I just kind of always assumed that that was like, um, I don't know that, that his act was caught that this act of like the quick dive. And then if we're talking about reincarnation, like the boom into the body mm. was what was caught. Interesting. Um, I like that. I didn't know that, uh, that other like interpreter, the other definition of loon. So that's, that's cool to know. Yeah. 
Um, I also thought that like to specifically be talking about like a shard of mirror in the moon rather than like a shard of glass somewhere else was interesting. So I went on this like long ass rabbit hole, went down this long ass rabbit hole where I was just, I think I Googled something like mirror moon symbolism or metaphor or something. Mm -hmm. And so here's a very, very, very possibly stretchy. uh, Here's a very stretchy possible interpretation, but I found this that I thought might be relevant because of the themes that we're all keeping in mind. So the there's this thing called the sun mirror and the moon mirror um, in uh, ancient Chinese tradition. So the sun mirror was an ancient Chinese burning mirror that concentrates sunlight to ignite tinder. And the moon mirror was a device that collects nighttime dew by condensation. Oh. Um, I know. I was like, do really? (laughs) Okay. So moreover, these are literary metaphors for yin and yang. Um, So yang being associated with the sun and yin being associated with the moon and water. And so in ancient Chinese philosophy, uh, yin and yang, I'm sure people know this, um, is a Chinese philosophical concept that describes how obviously opposite or contrary forces may may actually be complementary, interconnected, and interdependent in the natural world, and how they may give rise to each other as they interrelate to one another. Um, Yin and yang thus are always opposite and equal qualities. Further, when one quality reaches its peak, it will naturally begin to transform into the opposite quality. Um, So for example, grain that reaches its full height in summer, fully yang, will produce seeds and die back in winter, fully yin, in an endless cycle. Um, And so, uh, yeah, obviously these ideas of like opposing forces um, sort of piqued my attention. Mm -hmm. And in this Wikipedia article I was reading about yin and yang, there was this um, quote from Zhuang Zi. I think I'm for sure mispronouncing that, but it caught my attention for a reason that'll be obvious in a second. So the quote is, um, do not be a corpse for fame. Do not be a storehouse of schemes. Do not be responsible for affairs. Do not be a proprietor of knowledge. Thoroughly embody unendingness and wander in non-beginning. And so, I don't know if it's a huge stretch that she would have been talking about or referencing yin and yang here, but I think those themes are definitely relevant to us. I think they are, like you said, in those like opposing qualities, but also in this like endless cycle, um, which is, again, on our list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, this death-birth cycle, circles and cycles in general, but then also uh, reincarnation as a cycle yeah exactly Um, i like it and then i also was reading um just something that went in there that like went goes hand in hand with um martiano's article that we were talking about last time that i will link to in all of these show notes um but where yin is characterized as being soft slow yielding diffuse wet cold and passive it's associated with water earth the moon negativity femininity Shadows, darkness, destructiveness, and nighttime. So here again, there's a link between femininity and earth and water and, um, yeah, destructiveness, darkness. 
And then yang, by contrast, is fast, hard, solid, focused, hot, warm, dry, active, associated with fire, sky, air, the sun, positivity, masculinity, glowing light, creativeness, and daytime. So, and then obviously, yeah, yeah. So let's keep all these things in mind, maybe, for ongoing themes throughout the album. Yes, let's try to do that. That's really cool, though. Hmm. Yeah. And then also just, um, I was thinking we could add to the list, to the list too, just like very vaguely, and this is sort of under the photography, like subheading that we had already because of um, Lise's fantastic suggestion, but just the idea of like, um, like uh, faults or like, deficiencies in our human perception so like optical illusion kind of things um because of like this theme that i think we've already seen in anecdotes of just no that we've definitely already seen in anecdotes where anecdotes cannot say what time may do we have this very limited perception of like what is actually going on and so i just want to keep my ears open for perception things like especially optical things like mirror mirrors maybe no, perceptions are really interesting one too when we think of like this really intense dive that the nightshade is nightjar is doing. Um because depending on your perspective it would look more or less intense, right? Like bird um person full of bird knowledge was saying like that that the dive ends like less than a meter before hitting the earth would look so much more intense if you were standing on the earth than if you were a few feet above it than if you were like a bird with a much higher perspective. Um, so that's interesting too. Big themes that we'll keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think that's all I have for this first verse. Mirror in the moon makes me think in a really silly way about this like video game that I had as a kid. I think it was Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. Ooh. I wonder if anyone else played this. It was like, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and Where in Time? I know our mutual friend Alicia has played this because we've talked about it. And one of the challenges was um, this one was set in Japan and you had to change the angle of mirrors to be throughout like a series of small houses to be able to reflect the moon through like five or six different mirrors um <laughs> that was like the challenge of the level or whatever a really really great game I see <laughs> but unrelated i have not played that game but i'm jealous of you and alicia <laughs> okay should we do the next verse here sure Okay, so then she sings. Now they've stopped giving orders, but I follow anyway. Laying in our state of torpor, waiting out the day while the dew burns away. Yesterday, by the way, some at some point, someone somewhere had said something like this is in contrast with like the later uh, description of dew where it's a lot more violent. And I was like, where the, I want to go where the dew won't dry. But no, they, the person yesterday whatever context that was, was clearly, clearly referring, I think, to this, this line, while the dew burns away. Yeah, but I think it's the same, um, the same idea, right? That this, that this water cycle is happening. Um, 
but it would make sense that like the higher the sun is in the sky the more intense it is the mo- the faster the dew evaporates right um i love the like even without knowing what it means in the context of this complicated song i just love the line now they've stopped giving orders but i follow anyway mm-hmm. because to me it conveys this sort of like existential dread of like I need someone to be telling me what I'm supposed to be doing. And like, even though there is no one issuing such commands, like I'm following. Cause like, what else am I supposed to do without those commands? Like, I don't know how to be. So I'm just going to keep following these orders that don't actually exist. Yeah. And if we think of this again, as happening as, this, you know, in a place without time, instructions would be helpful. Like <laughs> if, if nothing else, like, like I'll I'll stick with these these entities these beings because they seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> so uh, crazy tinfoil hat theory. Putting on my hat. Yeah, please put on that. Please, everybody, put on your hats. Um, uh, that I don't even know. I, this is like I'm not wedded to this theory. It's just something I was thinking of. So. If that theory that I said before about like diving into a human body is right um, or like somewhere in the realm of plausible, um, I was thinking maybe here we switch narrators. So the they and now they've stopped giving orders. I was wondering if um, now maybe we're getting the perspective of Private Poorwell who has dived down and like jumped dimensions and <laughs> I can hear myself sounding so insane but no I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's insane at all I'm here with you oh thank you for your support so it makes me feel slightly better because I like hear myself being like yes so this narrator is now in a different dimension than the previous narrators who were bird people souls <laughs> <laughs> like what um and so yeah and, and like I was thinking of like maybe now Private Poorwill is in some dimension where he's like wedded to time in a different way but like now he can't communicate with the people from the other dimension so that he thinks that they've stopped giving orders because like he just doesn't have communication from them anymore i don't know yeah i think it makes sense too that okay keeping my hat on Join in your theory. Let's say Private Forwell, maybe a bird, maybe a being, maybe a soul, has crash landed into a body. Yeah. And torpor, torpor, however we say it, is characterized by innately human things, innately embodied things, like metabolism and heart rate and respiration and temperature. So these are things that Rufus Nightjar and our narrator cannot experience. Right. So I like that maybe we've switched narrators here. I'm sold. Yay. Um, <laughs> I like that the, tying torpor into it too. I also don't know how to pronounce the word, but um, I like that idea a lot that these are like very human things and laying in the state of torpor waiting at the day. Well, the dew burns away. So like, 
what is the do again here? The do, I guess, is just symbolic of that cycle that we were talking about last time that was also present in Finnegan's Wake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the do burning away, I'm guessing, is representing the fact that, like, time is passing now. And so, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No thought there. <laughs> to me, it's just like the thing that I that makes sense to me is that there's been this huge transitions and transitions are difficult. Transitions are tricky. And you go from being like this soulless, shapeless thing, you crash land into a body. And like the body's reaction to that is just to be in this state of uh, rest Mm, of mm -hmm. sorts in reaction to that. So right. you can't do anything but wait out the day while the dew burns away. Like the sun has come up now, a new day has started, but you're just kind of like stuck. Um, That's how I'm picturing my baby inside of me right now, just in this state of being stuck in between worlds and like yeah, not coming out. Wake up. <laughs> Get this show on the road. I mean, okay, she's going to be here real soon. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt that thought. No. Oh, my God. That's why we're recording so much, guys. Because we, we got a, a, new, oh, a new little member of the family. <laughs> a new little member of the family. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So, right. Waiting out the day. I love how she sings do here do do <laughs> I wonder how many notes are in there in that one so one syllable word. <laughs> I also like this idea because this is oh nope, never mind, there goes my theory. I was gonna say this is the first time that time is explicitly mentioned. No. Literally said time with a capital T twice already. So never mind. Um but in the next verse, we are bound to a wheel that is not my own and that I'm assuming is time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was also wondering maybe if um, the laying in the state of torpor or waiting out the day might also maybe be alluding to like the way that most of us spend our day, like sort of like the impression that like we waste our lives just by like waiting it out, like and like the dew burns away reminds me of this like clock ticking in the background like reminding you like death is impending and you're just chilling and doing nothing and waiting out the day but like all this important shit seems to be looming mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know uh and the dew's burning away because of the sun so i like the invocation of the idea that the sun is doing something violent here um uh in the last verse, there's this genius annotation that I thought was really cool, but it basically makes the argument that um, that referencing the sun in terms of it being this like melancholic reminder of time passing rather than it being just like this bright, sunny, happy thing um, can be traced back to John Don. I don't ever know how to pronounce his name. D-O-N-N-E. We talked mm-hmm. about him with Bell the um it tolls for thee mm. um yeah oh man that was a long time ago long time ago for sure mm. um but the idea that um he was the first person to like bring into the sort of whatever collective knowledge that we have as a culture uh, of referencing sun in this way that like 
brings up this existential dread because it's not just talking about this pleasant aspect of sun, but also just this like inherently threatening part of sun where it, it represents time passing. And so I like the idea here that maybe um, she's invoking that, that thought that we'll talk about when we get to the last verse, but the, the idea that the sun is burning the dew, like it's doing this violent thing. It's not this like straight up happy light thing. I think that makes sense. My brain is just searching for like other references of sun in her music, but I can't. Seven suns. Yeah. All right. I will leave the next verse to you to read. And then she sings. Rushing, tearing, speeding home colon bound to a wheel that is not my own where round every bend i long to see temporal infidelity um okay so you had referenced already that the wheel in question is time baby maybe (laughs) baby baby (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Um, I just, I was on the Wikipedia page for the Wheel of Time, which there is a Wikipedia page for. Uh, And it says, it's a concept found in several religious traditions and philosophies, notably notably religions of Indian origin, such as Hinduism, Jainism, Sikhism, and Buddhism, which regard time as cyclical. Mm -hmm. Uh, consisting of repeating ages. Many other cultures believe in a similar concept, notably the Q-apostrophe-E-R-O natives of Peru, as well as the Hopi natives of Arizona. So, like, reinforces these greater themes, most generally, of um, cycles and life and death and rebirth and... Um, all of those endless things. Yeah, exactly. So helpfully in my notes. <laughs> Why did I write this down? So helpfully. <laughs> I have a whole line dedicated to the following sentence. A wheel is a circle. <laughs> line break. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, previous self. <laughs> it's just so illuminating. I mean, <laughs> cyclical, you wanted to make sure that you remember it. <laughs> Like, yes, obviously, that's what we're talking about here. Oh, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> oh, um, Genius here gave me something cool. It says that night jars are sometimes called wheel birds because it can Ooh. kind of sound like a spinning wheel. So for the third fucking bird clip that I have this episode, for some reason... Here's the sound of um, the wheel spinning night jar sound that they were talking about. Hang on one second. I'm ready. Do you hear how it kind of sounds like spokes turning? Like, Yeah. Okay. You can hear it. I yes. can't tell what is being communicated with this microphone, but okay. 
it sounds like when you put um, like cards in the spokes of your bike. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Ex- that's exactly what it made me think of too. Yeah. Um, cool. Interesting. Uh, I also feel like there was a goal with this song to be like, how many times can I involve circles? <laughs> yeah, I know. Man, I got crazy about it today. I was like, are there more O sounds in this song than there normally are? Because I was like, O's are circles too. I mean, there's the egg or the landmine that we assumed was an egg. The there's the, the roundness. See, but, but here, like, so, I know this is crazy. Uh, here it was, um, uh, what was the line here? Oh, where she doesn't say around every bend. And at least on Genius, there's not an apostrophe before the R. Um, it just says we're round every bend. And I'm like, mm, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if we're talking about roundness or if she's like bringing to mind roundness on purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's an interesting description to say that the wheel is not one's own. Like, so if the wheel is time, the idea that it's not your own time or maybe it's just that you don't have control over it or something. Is that the thought? Or that it's like unfamiliar because you're new to our private poor will here is new to this body, new to this experience. Right. Um, and what does temporal infidelity mean? Like something that goes against this wheel of time, like something that pushes against or like pauses or stops this never ending wheel. That's what I was thinking that like you can be if you're not being faithful to time, then you're like able to jump back and forth or maybe between dimensions or maybe like not just be tethered in this way. So this this line makes me think of um, a lyric in. Uh, what is it? A lyric in I think it's. Oh, yeah. yeah um, from Waltz. Um, when she says there was a time we were lashed to the prow of a ship you may board but not steer. So in the same way we get this like imagery of being bound to this thing that's like going forward. There's like this motion involved and you don't have control of it. And so that's what I was sort of thinking is that like it's the idea that like you're stuck to this thing that's like pushing you forward through time, like, well, through your experiences and like you don't have the freedom to say like no like I want to go back or like sideways I want to step outside of this force that's like pushing me forward I don't know though I'm not sure yeah that's the vibe that I very much get here too that like it's dizzying or like it's it's you know there's a lack of control in um being part of this this endless cycle um so any escape from that would be would be a relief i guess yeah and what do you make of the fact that like the line that comes before this one so like the rushing tearing speeding home part colon bound to a wheel that is not my own like why rushing tearing speeding where is home okay so this is gonna be really loose because i literally only googled it while we have been talking okay but so from the wheel of time wikipedia page if you look at 
Hinduism, in Hindu cosmology, uh, time is eternal, repeating general events in four types of cycles. Um, the first one is described as the first and best, and then is followed by three more, which get like demonstrably um, less good, I guess, the second and best of the four cycles. So the first one is Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Devapra Yuga, and Kali Yuga. Um, so knowing very, very little about that, I would assume that if we're referencing the wheel of time here, that might have something to do with home, that like we're trying to get to this best stage of mm. descent, the best stage of this life cycle. Um, like knowing that reincarnation, like the general idea that I get from reincarnation is that like you keep getting reincarnated until you're enlightened enough to like ascend to whatever heights or to be allowed to not repeat the cycle anymore. Mm. I think so. Yeah. So I don't know. I think home for me in this verse is just like trying to get to to a place where you don't have to keep repeating this cycle mm, I like that I don't know. like and that there's a comfort in yeah not having to go through like the humanness of it all over again because yeah oh I think you're right that it's like punishment to like be earthbound in uh and unenlightened in that way and I feel like my understanding of reincarnation has always been like with each, and this might be entirely wrong, if people have studied this or um, have like deep beliefs in this, please write us and we let us know. We are two white ladies with yeah. very limited knowledge of oh, what we're talking Oh, for sure. And I'm not a religious person in <clears throat> any sense of it. But my general understanding was that like you, as you're reincarnated, you kind of pick up lessons and you pick up knowledge and you pick up... Um, enlightenment as you go to get to this like final highest highest state um, which is cool in the context of this song but if there's any like fact behind that I don't know it is really cool and I think mm -hmm. I forget when I have karma come up somewhere in my notes mm -hmm. in what's coming so we'll maybe revisit oh. that idea okay this is in the conceptual definitions um uh, reincarnation is cyclic and an endless samsara unless one gains spiritual insights that ends this cycle leading to liberation. Mm. Um, the reincarnation concept is considered in Indian religions as a step that starts each cycle of aimless drifting, wandering, or mundane existence, but one that is an opportunity to seek spiritual liberation through ethical living and a variety of meditative, meditative yogic, or other spiritual practices. So this idea of like aimless drifting, wandering, or mundane existence fits the vibe yeah. of this verse for me. <laughs> yeah, like, me too. I'm sick of this fucking, like, fits <laughs> yes. the vibe of life, sleep, death, work, pay bills, do laundry, you know, all of that. Existential um, dread, all lifelong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I like that. I was wondering if maybe, um, a home from the perspective of like private poor will, for instance, might just be back to that state where like Rufus Nightjar and like the original narrator were, where like just back to this, yeah, non 
bodied. <laughs> there, there has to be a more eloquent way of saying it, non-corporeal, I guess, existence. But that's, yeah, right in line, I guess. It's like the same sort of idea. Just like not having to go through the pain of existence um, as we know it as as human beings. And what a reward, really. <laughs> yeah. Like after going through these cycles over and over and over again. I like the idea that the ultimate reward is that you can stop. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can, can just stop settle down. That. You can just yeah. be or not be. Like, yeah. it's enough. Totally. Um, so, yeah, like the rushing, tearing, speeding imagery. I get the image, I guess, of that being a life, like that being living life, right? Like living life and rushing, tearing, speeding um, makes me think of life is thundering blissful towards death it's just like speeding towards death and then maybe also it might relate to the first line of the next verse then all along the road the light stream by like we're getting this like image of going down this like linear path in a way that might be referencing time um, it doesn't seem disconnected at least from the passing of time it's a good song <laughs> it's a really good song it makes me think so hard yeah um, I think that's all I have for this verse. I'm not positive, but I think. Oh, I think I did just had just like Googled the definition of infidelity, which can also mean lack of belief in a religion. Ah. Um, so like, I think the reference there I had was just like that time is like a religion that we can just keep going and going and going. Mm. Um, the other note I had was like, maybe it's like, I long to see, to meet someone who isn't bound by time in the same way. But mm -hmm. I feel like, again, you would have to leave that cycle to be able to, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I also like, was wondering about what the bend, the bends in question might mean other than just like, the like first layer of imagery that we're getting, like at the bend in the road that this narrator is rushing, tearing, speeding down. Um, but I'm not sure. I have some stuff on universe folds, the folds of the universe later when we get to Sick. folds. So <laughs> maybe I'll just put a pin in that for now. <laughs> All right. So that does it for part four. We will be back next week with part five, the final part of anecdotes. Thank you guys so much for sticking around with us. We have an email that you should email us at it is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. There's a Facebook group, a hopeless endeavor, joining you some podcasts. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash hopeless endeavor. I will link to that in the show notes there. You can find early episode releases and bonus episodes and you should definitely check it out because there's lots of stuff on there. And then, uh, uh, other stuff sam runs the instagram which is a hopeless endeavor podcast you did the facebook group you did the email you did patreon yep those are That's all it. things yep thanks for being with us and send us your thoughts and theories we'd love to hear from you guys we are so excited about this album okay bye, bye.